WGD People Who Inspire podcast was started as a forum by which we could speak, educate, and encourage people around safe culture through diversity, equity, and inclusion practice. In a world where I can see divisiveness is on the rise, and I'm told that fake news spreads seven times faster than the truth on social media, I want to ask people to reconnect to that which goes beyond propaganda and connect to that part of ourselves that remembers that each human is valuable. Here we highlight the many, many inspirational voices in our world who are striving to move us in a direction of a safer culture overall. Liz Wooten's mission is to make the world a better place for people in business, not by changing the world, but by guiding and supporting change for people. Liz's company, Human Nature Development, helps with values-based leadership, personal effectiveness, employee recruitment, engagement, and performance. She draws from an experience in business leadership and management combined with unique perspectives from martial arts, sports, music, and theater. And Liz is here to talk to us today on safe equity, diversity, and inclusion. Hi, Liz. So good to see you again. It's awesome to see you too. It really really is. It's great to see anybody's face right now. Oh my (laughs) (laughs) Get down with the lockdown. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Zoom has been a lifesaver for this whole thing, you know, so at at least we can connect, you know, virtually with one another. You know, back in the day when when I was a kid, and you were still doing the rotary phone, like that's how old I am in the in the days where you had to pull the thing around, then it would do, 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 do. I had one of those too. And your neighbors would be listening in on your call like, (laughs) oh my gosh. Nothing. We're, We're actually really fortunate. To we live are. Do, right that this has happened now when we have this amazing technology and yeah. i know everyone's getting zoom fatigue and stuff like that but it's still way better than rotary phones oh yeah yes. yeah 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 and like i said the neighbors like where was the privacy policies when the late neighbors were listening in right yeah right yeah so so the last i saw you you mm-hmm. were on stage at the Women Who Inspire conference. And you were, and for those listeners who don't know what the Women Who Inspire conference is, the Women Who Inspire conference is about highlighting women's voices, women's strengths, um, and the strengths of those who identify with women's uh, groups. And so we, we give stage to, we give voice to, we, we help to uh, facilitate um, uh, I guess a, a place whereby we can see wonderful female models because um, because it's needed. You know, it's a, it's one of these equity principles that we want to balance the scales around. So, you know, we were so honored to have you as a guest there and now you're here and it's so good to see you again. What's happened for you since March on this front? Like, wow, what oh. a challenge things are these days. So it's been a really weird time. I I worked from home anyway, mm-hmm. um, but all of my in-person client meetings were cancelled. So, you know, we've moved to a completely online model. Yeah, me too. Um, the first couple of months were pretty weird and tough and depressing and sad and all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, not yeah. least because I have a son who plays sports, it quite seriously plays sports, and all of that got cancelled. So, so yeah, weird. And then when I really started to look at what was happening in the world, yeah. 
Yeah. And the fact that people were getting to spend time at home with family in a different way. I was like, mm, this is kind of interesting. There's, a, there's an opportunity for some really amazing change here. Yeah. If we, if we can, you know, think of it that way. I agree. So, and I'm, I'm still hopeful that, that actually, you know, people are going to have the opportunity to do some self-reflection and to use some of this time to create some like positive practices um, for themselves in self-care and, um, and in how they think about things and challenge how they think about things. This is so important. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess for myself, I can say that, that I've experienced all of those things too, right? Like I've, I've been watching, um, I've been watching the news, which uh, only, you know, I have to watch the news sparingly. I really have to watch the news sparingly because, you know, when I see these things that are opposite to my value system, this, you know, the racism and, and the, the sexism and the, the things that, you know, there just seems to be a lot of sensationalism these days also. And so, you know, in order for me to stay on track, I have to give some energy to, but limited energy to those problems and then spend as much time as I can possibly spend in the solution, right? Mm -hmm. So actually, uh, this podcast is uh, born of, of uh, COVID-19 and these issues we're having in the world. The Safe Equity, Diversity and Inclusion Pledge was born of, of this time, you know? So, so yeah, I really believe that, that you're right, that for, for some of us, it's been... It's been a privilege. Not not everyone is. I know that domestic abuse is on the rise right now, which is a huge issue. You know, um, I'm doing a uh, talking about a national campaign with the Canadian Centre for Women's Empowerment around economic and financial abuse because there's a lot of women again who are being financially abused who just don't have any other option but to stay with their abuser so we really yeah. you know we've been, we've been looking down those lines for um for equity as well you know and so and of course we're, we're dealing with people uh from the indigenous community which i am one i'm i'm a metis woman and um we have uh, other women advocates who are from the bipoc community or the the black and people of color community which is a real honor to to serve with them and to to be thinking about these things, you know, which right. when we think about financial stuff and we think about, um, about economic stuff and how diversity, equity, and inclusion practices really fold into that, um, with your company, Human Nature Development, how do you, how do you bring that to light for people? What do, you, what, what do you teach on that front? How does that work for you? So for me, the... The thing about business is that it is an entirely human endeavor. And we tend to think about business as being, you know, it's about making money and it's about economics and financial stuff and that's it. Yeah, it's not personal. It's just business. Right, it's just business. Which is a load so, of crap. It really is. I don't yeah, buy into that at all. It is, it is utter crap. So the thing is that actually without humans, business is nothing. Well, you know, how can you... Are, they're run by humans. They rely on humans to, as, as customers. It is an entirely human endeavor. And for, for the vast majority of us, you know, we, we make buying decisions based on how we feel. 
about Right? Yeah. Not purely making buying, buying decisions based on how much something costs. You know, we'll make a connection with a person and we'll choose to buy from them because we like them. So I I've think the it. whole thing, right, the whole thing about business is that if you disconnect it from the human side, you're yeah. really missing something. You are yeah. really missing something. Truly. Truly so you it are. Starts, and it starts with where, when, how the business is founded. It starts with values. It starts with, you know, the people that work within that business and the better all of those people work together, the better they, the, you know, the more effectively they function and the better they feel, the better the business runs. Well, and this is just the thing. So, you know, and in that realm, you really are looking at you know, back to that, it's, it's not personal, it's just business. And, and I think, well, A, I'm bringing my person to work every single day. I'm expending vast portions of my life on this endeavor. Mm-hmm. What could be more personal than that? Not only that, most of the time, a lot of people's sole income their ability to pay their rent, their ability to, you know, feed their children, all of these things are dependent on that work. So you get more personal than business, I no. think. Most, I, most people will spend more time with their coworkers than they will with their spouse. Wow. Like, wow. Unless you, unless you count, I guess, sleeping time. But, you know, you spend such a long part of your life at work. Yeah. And if, if a, a leader doesn't recognize that or isn't uh, placing some value on this, on this human being as a human being and is just seeing them as an employee, then th- they are missing something. Really, it's a, great, it's a great responsibility. When someone comes to work for you, they're giving you a really large portion of their life. And this is leadership, you know? And, and this is, I guess, part of... I can say part of my big challenge is that, you know, you go out into the world and I've run my own companies and I've started other women in their own companies. And I've done a lot of things around really uh, in that way, it's, it's pushing for gender equality and for um, less for when, when a, when a woman can support herself, she's not always, you know, free of the idea of abuse, but she's less likely to have to stay in abusive situations than, you know, if she can't support herself, right? So, so this, again, it sort of goes through the, our, our culture, our whole society then is affected. So, but what I found, astonishingly enough, was that I've only a few times in my recent years worked for somebody else. And what I found was quite shocking. You know, as a lesbian, I, I, I was being discriminated against. As a fellow leader, I got discriminated against. So as a woman who actually used her voice, who actually, you know, held space in the room, um, that seemed to rub people the wrong way, you know? So, which was a astonishing to me because in my business I was seeking out consistently the next leader the next person who could be uh who was the you know who was going to help to guide the other people in the most positive work experience we could have so this you know this this really does 
tie in. So what do you think that's about? What do you think that's about with the, um, you know, this, this bias, this bias about, you know, you get called, I've been, even when I was running my own company, anytime I said, you know what, actually, um, please don't speak to my employees that way, right? These are human beings. And we need to be spoken to with dignity and respect. And if you if you can't do that, I suggest you find a different company to work with, right? So even then, I got called things like bitch and, you know, other really discriminatory, you know, right. misogynistic comments. So, yeah, what, what do you think that all that's about? And, and what do we need to do to rise above it? That's so a big question. It is. A, that's a really big question. I think a lot of it has to do with um, a habitual culture which kind of sets people up for feeling threatened as it you know if you get into a leadership role then someone might be trying to get your job you you yeah. have to know better than everyone else you have to be better than everyone else to to retain your leadership role and for people to respect you and it comes from a place of fear it comes from a place of fear so so when somebody is able to stand in their space and be authentically themselves and passionately say, no, this is not okay. We need to do something about this. We need to make change or we need to, you know, please don't speak to my team that way or whatever it is. It's seen as a threat. And, and therefore there, there is this tendency and I, you know, this is not everybody, right. But, but in this kind of situation, there is this tendency to use language which is going to make the other person feel small so that you can feel big right as a leader, right right so you can, and and you know that if if there is something about that person because they are female or they are lesbian or whatever that they can use against that person and what does that say about our culture that you know we're taking these things and using them or against something useful yeah, any of right. this. something yeah. that is you know you cannot change but that's being used against you to make you feel small i've experienced this and right. and you know and i i left those job spaces because i thought to myself this is how i'm spending my life and mm -hmm. i don't want to spend my life in such a way where i have to make other people feel small in order to succeed no, I, I actually want to pick up on something that you said, which was about, you know, you're looking for the next leader or you're, you're, you want to lift people up. Yeah. This is actually what great leadership is, is huh. not seeing other people as a threat. You know, if you see someone who is talented um, or any person, because we all have value, right? Yes. But you see somebody who has a strength and you want to develop that strength. That's what you do. Essentially, a great leader is actually making themselves replaceable. So you, you kind of, ironically, you kind of make yourself irreplaceable by making yourself replaceable. So you are lifting up other people to do your job even better than you do. And Interesting. That's how, Interesting. that's how you get a really awesome team that is fantastic. Right? You know, that what I found these amazing things yes. and you're helping them to do these amazing things because you can't do it all yourself. You're only one person. 
This is true. And what I found was that the more I empowered people, so they would come in and we would teach them, you know, it was all about teaching and it was all about, um, uh, you know, developing skill, developing skill, developing efficiency, developing these, you know, these things. And the more that they were personally developed, the more they, they made financially, the more they rose, you know, the more they were given responsibility and leadership and these things. And what I found was that, you know, I have had the privilege of working with uh, men, women, non-binary, people from the BIPOC community, white people, um, youth who have been through, um, you know, have been through the system and are learning, you know, work skills so that they might be able to go in and and have these, you know, uh, more effective ways of supporting themselves, you know, and I have watched what happens when you allow, encourage, and strengthen efficacy at work, you know, across the board, there was, you know, people think of, of, of equity as, you know, um, I think people may mistake equality and equity, mm-hmm. right? So they think equality is you give the same thing to every single person, but that's actually not what equity means. Equality is that, but equity means something different. Equity means that everybody who shows up at work may need some different teaching, some different, um, you know, building blocks, different things. They have different talents that they bring to the table and we can, make it make success accessible to each of of those right so that's what happened was they would come in and we would we would train them we'd give them these opportunities they would learn they would learn different things some of them were were didn't want to be leaders what they wanted to do was come to work and and do these other things and so you can find these wonderful because every team is diverse and the more diverse your team is the more successful it's likely to be Right. Because you have to think of more things too. And the more I encouraged them, quite frankly, they rose through the ranks. Like they rose into leadership positions. They did these things. Some of them moved on because they were feeling so much better about themselves that they were pursuing careers in art. And then they were like referring their friends though. Yeah. To work for me. Yes. Right. Referring their friends though. That is such a huge, uh, accolade really to you know who needs awards when people are saying you you know come work for this person because it's a really amazing atmosphere and it's such a great place to to work and I feel so good about going into work that that's what you want that's how you get engaged high performers yeah yeah and you know I was amazed at some of especially some of these teenagers who had lived these really difficult lives. You know, I was one of those teenagers that lived a really difficult life. As you know, you heard me from the stage. Mm-hmm. And, and so I have a special place in my heart for, for, for people who are need to restart. I think it's okay mm-hmm. to just restart, you know? And so, yeah, I, I mean, we, I have some autumn taught me I was a leader. I didn't know that before. You know, no, things like this, that. right? And and it was just absolutely wonderful to see that across the board. Mm-hmm. To see these 
these beautiful things happening. So I think, I think this, this idea, and, and maybe this is another piece of that. Where does this, uh, where does this come from? This toxic kind of leadership workplace environment. Yeah. Oh, toxic workplace environments. I think, um, it's a really amazing skill or talent or whatever you want to call it to recognize that somebody doesn't have to be like you in order to be, to have value and to have something special. And sometimes right. I think you're not very good at recognizing other people's value when they're different from us. And I'm not even huh. talking about yeah. like, oh, they look different. You know, they have different colored skin or uh, they, you know, they're a different gender or whatever. I'm, it's not even always that obvious, but when you can recognize that, um, that differences are actually going to make a team stronger, right? not weaker. That if you have a whole team of people who are just like you, you're actually not as strong a team as if you have people who think differently, people who make decisions differently, people who, who gather information differently, people who communicate differently. You know, those are all things that make a team stronger when you can recognize the value in people's differences. Well, see, and, and this is the thing is that, you know, this is, this is the heart of why we need to embrace diversity, not only yes. at work, not only in leadership positions, but as a whole, because in our communities, when we embrace diversity, we are stronger. You know, when yeah. we build one another up, we are stronger as a community as a whole. When we're, when we build each other up at work, it's, I found my personal experience is it has been the same, you know, and I think that. That is not only uh, in our families, in our workplace, in our, you know, communities, but globally as well. You know, I yeah. really feel strongly about this. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. but incorporating this into work seems to be a real challenge for people. And I think that that's what it comes down to. I think it's fear and, and yeah. not, you know, not to judge people for being afraid about their jobs either, right? Like we talked about at the beginning, what could be more personal than how I support my family? What could be more personal than how I pay my rent? What could be more personal than how I spend the moments of my life, you know? So how do we overcome that fear? What do you, what do you suggest that we do? Is, is it just to embrace diversity or is there some other thing that we need to look at? Oh, I think actually it starts within. I think that, you know, in order to embrace diversity, if you are a person who is in that, in that fear and, and is, you know, making decisions based on fear, then actually you need to recognize that for what it is and to start to investigate what's going on within you. You know, where does that fear come from? Yes. Where, and, and actually recognize that it's, it's okay to be afraid because all of us are, really. We all yeah. have fear at some fear point. Fear is healthy at some point. You know, fear is healthy at some point. Yeah, but, I mean, but we all have that fear. The thing I think that's interesting about the workplace is that we have this culture where you're supposed to know everything, oh, right? Yeah. You're supposed to, like you're you're supposed to be the like super knowledgeable about your job, and yeah. we're not actually very good at saying, "I I don't know." And you know what? We're really not good at asking questions. Oh, asking we were questions. just talking about this in the last interview. Um, 
about we, we were just talking about this in one of most you know one of my recent interviews is that even when we're talking about racism and you know you want to say stop being a racist or whatever you know sometimes it's better to just ask a question like what do you mean what do you mean by that right. how did you come to that understanding that the pigment of one's skin can actually change the value of a life Right. right. How did you come to that? Because if we're not curious about other people's mentality, then we just seem to be getting more and more polarized over time. But we're not even curious about what's going on in within ourselves. Ah, that's the be beginning. Yes. Right. We're curious. being curious within and to stop judging ourselves as well. Right. Because we have this horrible, we usually have all this horrible, shameful judgment going on. So if we think that there's something wrong with us, then we're like, Oh, that's bad. That's bad. I'm going to look stupid. I am stupid. I'm a failure. I'm not good enough. These are all of the messages that we're giving ourselves when we can remove that layer of judgment and we can actually begin to notice and see what's going on within ourselves then we can start to decide to make changes or challenge our thought processes challenge our habitual patterns or challenge the the defaults that have come up from our upbringing from our culture from the things we see around us or from other people's behavior that we've kind of picked up as we go along so i think it really does start with and that's why i come back to this thing of business is a human endeavor right but if excellence mm. in business starts with actually challenging yourself to excellence be better, within. to do better and excellence within. Yeah. We talk about, we talk about safe culture and, and where could, you know, I mean, safe culture at home, super, super important, but safe yeah. culture where you spend the vast majority of your time, highly, highly important, highly yeah. important. And so, yeah. and again, so then, it's what you're saying is that we can have safe culture in our workplace and other places when, and correct me if I'm misunderstanding, but when there is safe culture within, so it's about how we speak to ourselves, how we feel about ourselves, what we're doing with ourselves. Is that, is that what you're saying? It's I, it really comes I down to the personal. That, that, have, that if you can create a, a sense of safety to be vulnerable with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So that you can ask the difficult questions and so that you can challenge some of the things that are going on and, and be curious about what's happening for you without judging yourself, then you can start to recognize perhaps some of the patterns that are happening for other people as well. You know, you can start right. to see that, oh, this, per this person's behavior, actually, maybe they're living in fear. Maybe they're influenced by you know, their own habitual patterns or shame or judgment of themselves. And the more we understand what it feels like to be vulnerable, the more we can understand what it's like for other people to be vulnerable and actually support each other through it. Does that make sense? You know, you kind of, you, you, if you can't be vulnerable with yourself, are you ever going to be able to be vulnerable with another person? It makes complete sense to me. I mean, I, again, like I said, I've, I've been in these leadership roles where, you know, a lot of the times, um, you know, especially at the end there, what would happen is my people would, they'd be, they'd be doing their, their things that my teams would be, they'd be all, you know, and then they would come in and a lot of the time they assessed, they did their own 
performance assessments. And we just together, I, you know, I, I think both of us can honestly say that Brene Brown is like superhero, you know? Uh, yeah. And one of the things <laughs> she talks about in her leadership talk is to sit on the same side of the table with, with the people that you're talking to, to really sit on the, so, you know, you think about sitting across the table from your boss and then you're being, you know, talked to or whatever, but when you pull the chair around and you sit on the same side of the table with one another and you put a project in front of you and you say, okay, well, how can, how have we been doing on this? How have you been doing on this? How can I help you improve? All of a sudden that conversation changes. Mm-hmm. Ex- like exceptional changes in that conversation and the ability another mentor wonderful mentor of mine said people are as honest as they feel safe to be yes right yes. people are as honest as they feel safe to be and so when we want our staff to be able to say i made a mistake i need to improve mm-hmm or our children, or our spouses, or, you know, whatever, then we need to be that safe space to be able to be honest with, you know? So, interesting, interesting. One of the things that I think is super interesting, and actually, the more you think about it, the more you can notice it happening. Um, and, uh, you know, it's easy for me to say, I'm, I'm involved in conversations between, you know, leaders and, and staff members and, and that kind of thing. So I see it all the time, but there is a pattern that we see, and this is just a really human response, right? Yeah. If somebody gives you feedback that is somewhat negative, it's really natural thing to put the defenses up. Sure. Right. And to kind of like to excuse it or defend what you did or whatever. Right. And sometimes that can be, done in in actually a uh, you know it can turn into an attack and yeah. you're trying to deflect it back on the other person it's really interesting to notice that happening and you know you can observe it in other people's conversations sometimes but this is where i go back to that it starts with yourself because right. when if you as a leader are able to accept feedback from somebody without defending or putting up the def- the defensive thing or throwing it back on them sure yeah that takes huge vulnerability to accept what they are telling you but so many people are unable to accept that that feedback but expect their staff to accept feedback without defensiveness right right, right. so you have to kind of be prepared if you want that um relationship where it is collaborative and you are able to have these really good constructive conversations with somebody whether it's on a project or or you know on performance then you have to be able to make it collaborative by being open yourself and by listening to understand what the other person is telling you not just to wait until they're done speaking and then say your point you actually need to listen to understand them and that's a big difference from just giving them feedback and then expecting it to land and they will take that information away. So Absolutely. again, if, you, if your natural response, and it's okay to have this natural response, but if your natural response is to be defensive when someone gives you feedback, you're not listening. 
yeah. you're in a place where you're like, no, 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 no. Cause what I did was okay. You know, actually you need to take it on and let it sink in and it might feel uncomfortable. It might feel a bit shitty if somebody says something and you're like, oh yeah, I, yeah, actually I, I, I messed up or I did that wrong or next time I need to do better. Yeah. But if you can't listen and you just put the defenses up, nothing will change. And you're, and the person you were talking to cannot be honest themselves because it's not a safe space. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. So I think where this really feeds into the, you know, diversity piece that we've been talking about as well is that there are some employers who are not looking at uh, their workplace. They are, they do have biases. They are making hiring decisions based on, you know, things, illegal criteria, shall we say, that they're not supposed to be making hiring decisions based on, um, or their behavior in the workplace may be influenced by prejudices. If they don't make a safe space for themselves, if they're not prepared to be vulnerable and question, okay, hmm, yeah, maybe I did make a hiring decision based on, like, what what is going on for me there? How can I understand where that comes from? Is it really true? You know, if you're just defending your decisions, nothing will change. Interesting, interesting, interesting. And this is sort of where that that top-down hierarchy can get really tricky, right? Mm -hmm. Because all of a sudden you, as, say, the supervisor, has made a mistake. Now you've got to be, you know, so you've made a hiring mistake, you've made some sort of mistake then it's got to be safe to talk to your manager about that. It's got to be safe to talk to the owner or the, you know, the CEO or the, all of these things, you know, so, so then we're talking about layers of safety in a top down hierarchy, which, you know, that, that's, that's a big ask. It is a really big ask. And, um, you know, large, businesses that are built on a top-down hierarchy yeah there are going to be pockets of problems i can almost guarantee there will be pockets of problems and that you know unless it starts right at the very top and has been systematically like filtered through all of the layers within the entire system that this is built into the values of the company then you are going to get pockets of problems because then it depends on the individual managers or the individual leaders to, and their ability to, to step up and admit mistakes or not. Absolutely. And, and I think you nailed it right there. I think you nailed it right there. If we're going to actually have a, a safe culture at work where equity, diversity, and inclusion are valued, mm-hmm. it has to be weaved in to the very structure and abided by from the top down. So it has to be weaved into the values of the company and it has to be um, put into action all the way through. And then there has to be a certain level of accountability. Is that what you're saying? Is that, that's what I'm hearing. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. Exactly. So, so weaved you, into the culture of the, weaved into the, the entire culture of the company. Yeah. And that means yeah. that you, that when you are hiring people who are going to be making hiring decisions, you are hiring people who fit those values. 
Yes. You know, you're actually hiring people who can hand on heart say, yeah, I agree with this. And yes. I am basically uh, committing to fitting with these values. And yes, I will make hiring decisions that include equity and diversity and inclusion. That is absolutely, I'm 100% on board. Yes. You know? And yes. not just people who are agreeing to it on paper, but people who, you know, who really fit these values. I mean, that, that goes for any values that you really hold dear in a company. I, I know that- With something like this, you have to have that as a, a, you know, at the absolute ground level. You know, I really love this values-based leadership concept. Yeah. I really love the value. I, I love values-based leadership. I love values-based parenting. I love values-based recovery. You know, I, I really, really, I think that that's so important, you know, so important. And again, I think we need to weave that into the structure of most things. Yeah. And, you know, even like recently we were, we were uh, we in in one of the societies that I belong to. We were really um, challenged with with some. It was it was very interesting because we were being challenged by some very uh, I want to say some some people who were using destructive communication and oppressive behaviors to ask for open membership to a, a values-based society. Right. And what a conundrum, you know, what a conundrum, because you know you can't have a safe culture where those oppressive behaviors and destructive hate speech stuff is being thrown around. You can't have that. So now you're like, okay, well, how do we, have an inclusive environment where we honor diversity and and equity and still make it safe around mm -hmm. these things so we've had to really and and what we landed on was a values based um definable behaviors membership policy and I, I thought that was the you know, it was the best alternative. So if you had a situation like that, is that what you would do? Or what do you think you would do with something like that? Because it was a real conundrum. Like we really sort of was like, what are we going to do? We've got this advocacy thing. Right. And we've got people trying to bully their way. It, you know, it was really quite yeah. strange. It was a conundrum. So what would have you done with that, Liz? In, well, that's, a, that's super interesting. So I think, I, I, I think um, one of the things that's, that I'm just going to throw in there and kind of links back to something I said early on is that sometimes people don't have the, the skill to communicate in a way that doesn't, you know, if they're, they're feeling really passionate or they've got some difficult emotions going on and they've got stuff they want to say, but they don't have the skill to say it in a way that isn't bullying Careful. or or hurtful yes so and I, I think that's a very interesting thing and and maybe you know in this case is a helpful way to look at it that it's not 
you know, it's not that people are bad inherently, but sometimes people's skills are poor. And those are skills that can potentially be developed if that person is willing to develop them. But I think one of the beautiful things about being able to communicate values for a company or an organization or personal values is that when you do, when you're able to do that and you're talking to somebody else or they read them and they're, they're able to understand what they mean, um, they, they'll light up. If it's something ah. that, they, that they also share, there's this kind of like values are, are something that do, that do speak to you on a, um, a kind of visceral level Yeah. that, you know, you can hear about these and you're like, oh yeah, that's, yes, I totally agree. Yes. I'm really into that. It's something that I do when I'm facilitating interviews, I will get the, you know, if the company has defined their values, then I'll get them to talk a little bit about that because it's really interesting to watch the, the candidate, you know, it's sometimes they're so into it. They'll be like jumping in and interrupting and like, Oh yeah. And that reminds me of this time when, and, and I really believe in this too. So it's, it's, it's a really awesome way to build connection with the people who share the values. Exactly. And the people who yeah. don't share the values will probably select themselves out. You know, they'll be yeah. like, eh, yeah, okay. Doesn't really, doesn't matter doesn't me. really yeah. talk to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah. it's an interesting thing. And often values are a great way to talk about them is through stories, you know, to actually ah. give examples of yes. how, um, how your values apply or times when, um, you know, this is, this is where somebody did something that was, completely upholding these values and you know their, their behavior was completely in alignment with them and this you know this is a really great story that illustrates it because values on their own like a single word well it might mean different things to different people yeah but yeah. when you can really communicate it in uh in a tangible way through a story that's a really excellent way to to help people understand what it is you're all about that's very good. That's very interesting. Yeah, and I think that I think that sometimes what happens back to sort of um, skill level one, mm -hmm. and and the other uh, concept I wanted to touch on briefly is the is this difference between um, the behavior and the person. Yes. Yes. Right. The, there's a difference between the behavior and the person. There is. And so. So, uh, uh, you know, if we make it about the person and this is just a bad person and, you know, blah, 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 and I hate this person, then we're, we're nowhere near equity, diversity, inclusion, or, or safe culture at all. But if we make it about, you know what, actually this, this behavior here, what we're, what we're shooting for is this behavior over here. And this behavior here, you know, how can we get that closer to that? Um, is you know, is again, I think this, this portion of, of skill level that maybe people are not able to separate quite yet. You know, right. they're not able to separate the difference between the behavior and the person. Yes. Yes. Uh, and, and they may not be able to do that for themselves either. Right. You know, here's, here's the thing. It is, and I know from my own experience here, we have, you know, we can separate feelings and behavior, right? We can yes. separate, the, you know, the emotion that we feel that is a physical sensation often. Mm -hmm. We feel that, and sometimes it's a horrible one, and we don't like it, right? True. But it's not wrong 
It's just what we feel. Yep. How we behave as a result of that emotion, we do actually, we can control that. We can make decisions and choices about how we behave. So, you know, it, we might be really angry and it feels horrible. And if our skill is not developed in how to talk about the anger and then, and you know, whatever it is that's made us angry to, uh, to request a change in behavior or to, you know, reasonably have a conversation with somebody about it. If it all comes out as abusive or bullying language, because we don't know what else to do with this anger. Yeah. Then that yeah. is a, you know, it's a behavior, but anger is not wrong. And yet we judge ourselves very harshly for having difficult emotions. We feel like we shouldn't have them. Interesting. You know, yeah. We're like, oh, I shouldn't feel that way. Like it's, you know, it's wrong. And we just squash it. Or we feel I think sad. That there's some, like, I just need to, to pull be, myself together. I think there's something to be said about that too, because there's, you know, there's an inequity about what we're allowed to feel. Women are yeah. generally allowed to feel uh, anger, right? So you're, if you if you speak in anger, you're you know all of these things. If you cry, you're you're you know you're pitiful, or if you're silent, you're cold. If you yell, you're a bitch. You know all of these sorts of things. So right. that you know culture sort of puts has put on me and many of the other women that I know. That's for darn sure. Um, having said that, so we're but but sometimes we are allowed to feel sad or we are allowed to feel other things, right? Or we're allowed to feel afraid or small, you know, those things are fine for us. But then uh, if a man gets anger, if a man speaks from that place of, you know, empowered anger, you know, he's, he's, he's just putting his foot down. He's, you know, of course that's necessary. You gotta, gotta make some boundaries there. Right. But let him cry. Right. Exactly. But let him cry. You know, yeah. we need this this whole variety of emotion to be yeah. healthy on the inside, and having that safe culture on the inside is what translates to safe culture on the outside. So, right. yeah, well, that's that's I love that. I really love that idea. So, how can we make a safe culture on the inside so that we can translate that safe culture into great yeah. leadership, great business culture, and and great societies all all around wow mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's fabulous so liz i have to ask you have you signed or are you going to sign the safe equity diversity inclusion pledge i will absolutely sign the pledge i like a hundred percent fabulous fabulous and thank you so much for sharing with me today thank you for speaking up and and for for really you know, communicating these skills that I think need to be folded into, into every, uh, every workplace for sure, you know, Mm -hmm. and as we do that, hopefully, a lot of leaders will hear this and think to themselves, what skills do I need to develop in order to create a more safe environment? Because I think you're right, it needs to be absolutely weaved into the whole, into the whole system, for sure, for sure. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Liz. Thank you. For it's being the change you want to see in the world. I love yeah. that. You know, thank you. Thank you again. And thanks for sharing with me again. I loved your presence on the Women Who Inspire stage. Where can people find you, Liz? People can find me at humannaturedevelopment.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to throw my email 
address in there as well, which is Liz at humannaturedevelopment.com. I'm always interested to hear people, um, their thoughts on leadership and asking questions and all of that stuff. It's, I, I love to build relationships with, with Beautiful. interesting people. Beautiful. And are you on, on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, any of those things? I am. So I am on, I, I'm on YouTube. Uh, Liz Wooten, you will find me there. Okay. With two T's. And um, I am on Facebook, Human Nature Development, and on Instagram, Human Nature Development, there as well. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you so much again. I'm going to run with these skills. I, I think that I've learned some new ones. I'm going to weave them into, into my leadership. I'm always looking for new skills. So thank you so much again. And thank you. Uh, what a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for listening today. You can sign the Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Petition at www.change.org forward slash safe culture. If you'd like more information about the WGD People Who Inspire podcast, you can email wgdpeoplewhoinspire at gmail.com or look for me on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm Autumn Rock, your host. And I have signed the Safe Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Pledge. Have you?